If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Exodus, if you would. I want to preach to you this whole month on the subject of theology, or theology proper, which would be God. I think it's important for us to have a high view of who he is. I think when we get the right view of God, we get the right view of self. What happens with many people is they are focused on self too much. We have a culture that's that's just absorbed with self. When you meet God, like Moses did, things change in your life. I want to tell you that there's one thing that we cannot separate, and that is the Trinity. There is the Father, there is the Son, and there is the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 1, it's very clear that in the beginning, the Word was with God and the Word was God. I want you to listen to this song. I think it'll be encouraging to you.
Sometimes Satan tries to stop something that's really, really good. And if you want to use that and you want to borrow it and put it in your car, you've got to turn it all the way up and shut the windows. And you will sense a little bit of what's going to go on in heaven someday. One of the things I enjoyed about that song, it's done by a small orchestra and a bunch of college students from West Coast Baptist College, very simple college. But their heart is in it, and their passion is there. And as they get deeper into the song, this is probably maybe half the song, but the rest of it, it actually climaxed to the place where you understand that they're talking about that Jesus and God are the same. And if you believe that and you have that understanding, it makes things different within your salvation. You understand that the Holy Spirit coming into you at salvation gives you the power to be able to live the life that you need to live in Christ. But here's what I wanted to make make you aware of is that his presence is with you all the time. Is the Holy Spirit is present with you, and God gives us that presence. And here's the, the cry of Moses, and he is asking and desiring for God to be with him. We are going to move forward, but we are going to move forward with you, and I want you to be with us. And there has been no communication about that, so I'm coming to you, Lord. I think if you look at verse number 12 again in your text, it says, And Moses said unto the Lord, See thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now watch this. He says, Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, Show me now thy way, and I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. It's important for us to understand, I think, this morning, that there is a need for us to know that according to the Scriptures, there is the presence of God, God's grace with every believer. I like reading older pastors and pastors from the 1800s. I have a hard time finding good pastors today. I have a hard time listening to some of the sermons, and there are good sermons out there. Don't get me wrong. I like Adrian Rogers. I used to think that Charles Stanley got his sermons from my computer. Somehow he tapped into them. Uh, But there are some good preachers out there, but what I like reading is older men that have experienced a lot of difficulties, and in spite of all of their problems, in spite of all of their hurts, they continue to have the right view of God and the right view of his word. One of those men is a a man by the name of William A. Adamson, and William Addison uh, wrote these words, beautiful book of life, everlasting word. Though heaven and earth should pass away, thou art all binding. Thou art the book of love and of peace, and thy pages are brightened with the intelligence that God is love. And thou makest by soft influence families and nations peacemakers. Thou art the book of truth, and from thy pages have shown forth the clearest and the most certain words that ever fall on the human ear. Thou art the book of freedom, 
Priests and kings have clasped and chained thee, dreadingly, dreadful power of light. Thou art the book of eternity and of time. Thou hast promised of life, now is and one that is to come. What a lovely world it would be if there were the page not only widely and openly spread, but where all men and women walk steadfastly in the light of the word of God. Without such world it would be, it'd be a paradise regained. Speak, for thy servant hears. Bid thy word. Draw me near to thee. Encourage and improve and incline mine heart to do thy will, O Lord. And on its tablets trace thy words, thy words of love, and place them on my heart. What beautiful words that a pastor would actually write, probably in his devotions. And a lot of times we read the scriptures in the book of Psalms, and Psalm is actually a collection of king's writings. And there were those that you can read and even sing at times because their hearts were also confused at times and hurt, and they were weak, and then they were strengthened by God's power and God's spirit, even in the book of Psalms. We have really a perfect account of a conversation between Moses and God in Exodus 33 where God speaks to uh, Moses and Moses speaks to God. And in this meeting between Moses and God, Moses desires God's presence. And if God would not go with him, he didn't want to go. So let's think about that just for a moment, if we could, that there was a desire that Moses had that I will not go further without you. I think there are times in our lives where we would cry out to God and say, I I can't go a step further without you, Lord. I need your power and your strength. And in the New Testament, you you tell me that that, uh, I can do all things through Christ. And if there's anything that I need right now is I, I need your presence and I will go forward, but I need you to go with me. And if you don't go with me, I'm not going. I think this was the case of Moses speaking to God. And God promised that he would go with him. He promised in 32, verse 34. He promised in 33, verse number 2. He promised in 33, verse number 12. And Moses wanted to know who who specifically was going. So Moses desired a, a manifestation of the presence of God. And basically he comes out and he says, show me thy glory. All I could think about is, How do we see God's glory in all of this? And how can this conversation be answered by God? And how could he speak to Moses? Well, I really believe that the grace of God is God's presence. I think the Bible's clear in Psalm 1611, thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is the fullness of joy. And in thy right hand there is our pleasures evermore. Psalm 21, verse number 6, For thou makest him most blessed forever, thou makest him glad with joy in thy presence. The Bible says in Psalm 140, verse number 13, Surely the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name. The upright shall dwell in thy presence. I think we would actually say that we're always in God's presence as believers, but there are people that are not believers, and is God present with them also? I believe he is. He reigns upon the just and the unjust, hoping that someday that they would come to him because he has opened up his arms wide, no matter what the Calvinistic person would say. 
The Lord Jesus Christ was on the cross and he stretched out his arms and died for every single human being. If they come to him, he will save them. So what I'm seeing here is a desire for the manifestation of the presence of God and really the presence of his grace. Manifestation of the presence of God's awesome, powerful grace. So when that happens to us, I would actually begin by understanding that the believer has a personal privilege, if you would, that you as a believer have his grace. He's given it to you. You don't have to earn it. Grace isn't something that you get because you learn some catechism. Grace isn't given to you because you actually were able to pass this course or that course. God's grace is free. And if you're trying to work for your salvation or work for his pleasure, you're going to be working a long time. Because if we had to work for it, how much do we have to do? And where is there a book that says that we have to do certain things? And I think that if, if we were looking for one, then we would gather together and make our own. Just like someone would make some kind of a, a writing to say, these are the guidelines. But see, God already gave us his love letter. He gave us everything we need to know, to know and it's in his word. And I think the problem sometimes is that we really don't dig deep into his word and we don't let his word speak to us. We kind of go through it rather casually. I'm reading through the Bible all the way through again this year. And you that are reading with me, you know what it's like to read a little bit in the Old Testament. We're just finishing up Exodus and almost to Exodus 40, looking forward to that. But then we're going to be going into Leviticus and Numbers and so on. And some of those times in those places, it gets a little slower. But it's awesome to open up the Psalms and read some of that and read some of the Gospels and then are able to be able to help out and, and, and be encouraging to other people. But really, there is a privilege, a personal privilege for the believer. And it is the presence of God in a special way. His grace is with us. The privilege that God knows your name. He says it here. He knows Moses' name. God knows your name. It's interesting when we think about that because the privilege that God knows your name is something we don't talk about. But God knows who Dean is. Sometimes in my prayer, I will actually say, Lord, this is Dean. Remember me? Oh, of course. Because remember, sometime the Bible actually speaks of some of those that will say, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. When he says that, he's saying, Lord, Lord, and he's saying, I never knew you. What he's saying, there was never any time ever that I ever knew you. Does he know you? Does he know you by name? To know anyone by name, it expresses distinction. It expresses friendship. It expresses a particular familiar acquaintance when you mention somebody by name. This morning I shook someone's hand and I said their name and I remembered their name. And they said, good memory. No, there is a desire for me to remember, but a lot of times if you want to remember someone's name, then pray for them. As soon as they tell you their name, walk away and pray for them and then God will help you to remember their name. I appreciate some of you that have come here and have been able to join our church. And I remember when I first came, I had shaken hands at the, at the door and I tried to remember people's names and I had a hard time doing it. 
Sometimes we go through seasons where we don't remember things, and that's part of life. And the Lord brings us into a good valley, and we remember things. But the kings of the east had little communication with their subjects and hardly ever appeared in public so that when they knew their servants by name, graciously speaking to them, to call them, to admit them into their presence, it was a great mark of favor to them. So really, we're talking about favor, and we could use the word grace because God's grace really is God's favor to us that he actually has said, I will never, ever leave thee by his grace. And by his grace, we are saved. And so I think about how that the kings would not speak to their subjects, but the king of kings would know your name. Can you imagine the creator of the universe, the God of heaven, saying, Moses, Moses, can you imagine that? If all of a sudden you heard him say, Thomas, Thomas, huh? What would that be like? Beam me up, Scotty. (laughs) You'd say, Lord, beam me up, right? I want to go up. Think about the personal thing. You call someone by their name. You see, God loved Moses. God loved you. God loved his people. And even though it looked pretty dark sometimes in Moses' life, and even though it was difficult for him in his 40s, it was difficult in his 80s, as he was trying the best he could to lead God's people out so they could worship him. See, life doesn't get any easier. You just get stronger. You just get more patient. You just smile a lot more, knowing who's in charge, and that's God. Of all things, even your breath. It's interesting as we think about this, because the privilege of pleading with God concerning his way was what Moses was doing. We have a privilege, then, as believers to communicate with God concerning our direction, concerning what you need to do. And maybe sometimes you'll come in and you'll say, Pastor, can I pray for you about something? And I'll take you right to the Lord and I'll say, Lord, give them wisdom. Remember, commit thy works to the Lord and thy thoughts will be established and God will show you what to do, how to do and what to do it. I think we need less counselors and more time with God. I really believe that your troubles will go away if you were to get alone with God, with his word, open up any psalm, and say to God, God, would you speak to me? You're the author of this book. Would you help me? Allow your spirit to bear witness with my spirit, and let me read this text, and you speak to me. You know what's interesting about that? It's free. It wouldn't cost you $120 every time you go see him. It's free. He gave it to you. He created you. He knows you. And I hope he knows you by name. And if he doesn't, then go to him. Maybe you offended him by saying that he's not there. Maybe you shook your fist at him one time and said, you never were there to help me. But he was. And he will forgive you. And he will wash you clean. You can have a white stone. That means that you can actually have a clean sheet and a clean slate to begin all over again. You can be born again. It's powerful when it comes to the Spirit of God. So the privilege of knowing him. 
We can know God's way. We can know God's will for our lives. And we can know his purpose for us. The average person doesn't even know why they exist. And never really find their purpose in life. You don't have to walk in darkness. When we walk in the light, God shows us what to do. You don't have to walk in this life with uncertainty. When we know the absolutes of the word of God. We don't have to live in sorrow when joy is just around the corner. And that joy is unspeakable and full of glory. But it's in his presence. It's in God alone. Oh, it's in God alone. Christ Jesus, my Lord. People need the Lord. And you know it. And you try to tell them. Oh, pray for them. Get on your knees and say, oh, God, work in their lives. Draw them to yourself. Help them to know that you are God and that you'll take care of them. Because you're persuading them isn't working. Sometimes some wives will come to me and they'll say, my husband is this. Or some wife will come to me and say, you need to help me with my husband. Or some husband will come and say, you don't know my wife, my wife this. And I think, man, you know what? If God can't change him, you can't either. So you're going to have to pray that God would change them. Because all that you're going to do is irritate them. Let God do it. Pray. Lord, you know their name. Would you please turn their heart around? Would you please work in them? And he will. But don't stop praying and don't lose heart. I think when it comes to Moses and this whole story, that we also have the privilege to seek him, to seek a manifestation of his character, to seek a a comfortable assurance of his grace, and to seek a full acquaintance of his will for our lives. And If I have found favor, if I have found grace in thy sight, then show me the way, and he will show you the way. The believer's privilege, but also there's the believer's pervasive peace, if you would, that wherever I go, peace is with me. A lot of times I am not at rest. Look at verse number 14, if you would, with me. It says, and he said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee what? When you get peaceful and restful, you have times like that. God is with you. That comes from him. I think when it comes to his peace, we rest, don't we? We rest from doubts. We rest from fears. We rest from anxieties. We, we rest from what we think may happen in the future. And by the way, you're not going to be able to have rest if you constantly watch CNN. Because you have a bunch of unrestful, ungodly people giving their opinion rather than telling you the truth. Better off to just shut it off and go pick up your Bible and find a warm place. For me, it's right next to the wood stove. Put my feet up a little bit. Open up the word of God and begin to read. I think I've read this passage so many times, you know. And all of a sudden I start reading. I say, oh, it's still alive. It breathes. It breathes new things for me. And it helps me so that I can see things in here. I want you to look at verse 18 and 19 because there's so much that is involved in here. It talks in verse number 18. And he said, I I beseech thee that you show me thy glory. Show me this. Give me your pervasive peace. Help me to be at rest. Remember, the Bible says, peace I leave with you and peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let your heart 
let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Like when Charles Wesley wrote in his notes one time, he wrote this, I rest beneath the Almighty's shade. My griefs expire, my troubles cease. Thou, Lord, on whom my soul is stayed, will keep me still in perfect peace. To know him is peace. Because in the knowledge of God's truth and love and power and promise and presence, the soul realizes a peace that passes all understanding. It's interesting because he cries out here and says, I want you to show me your glory. Will you please show me your glory? That's what he's asking. I think it's important for us to understand that part of that is an incredible amount of peace. In 1555, Nicholas Ridley was burned at the stake because of his witness for Christ. 1555. On the night before Ridley's execution, his brother came in and offered to remain with him in prison chamber to be of assistance and to comfort him and to talk with him and pray with him. Nicholas declined. He said, no, that's all right. I'm just going to pull the covers over my body and Go to sleep as I always do because I fear nothing. Because he knew the peace of God. He could rest in the strength of the everlasting arms of his Lord to meet his need, and so can you. His peace is just around the corner. If you would just understand that it's Jesus that will give you that peace. It's not some good song or some good deed or, or some person to be in your life. There's nothing here on this earth that will give you the kind of peace that Jesus... There's no relationship. There's no money. There's no drug that will give you what Jesus will give you. The manifested presence of God in the believer's personal privilege. And the manifested presence of God in the believer's pervasive peace, but also in closing, the believer's persistent power. And I believe this power is given unto us. Somebody said recently, I wish I had the power to be a witness. And listen to me. Jesus said, all power has been given unto me. And then he says, go. Go into all nations and make disciples. Teach them. And then baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then teach them to observe all things. That's the Great Commission. You say you lack power for that? Jesus is the power. He'll give you the power to do it. Transformed life is what's needed when it comes to the believer's persistent power. The glory of God is revealed in these verses It's through his grace, and God's grace is what gives us that persistent power. It is the power to live right in a world that's all wrong. It is the grace of God that gives us the ability to be able to learn and to be able to understand and to be able to be forgiving to others. What does this glory involve? I think it's found if you look at verse number 18, and if you write in your Bible, I mean in verse number 19, if you write the word, or circle the word, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, it's what it says all the time in verse number 19. Now you say, show me your power, show me your grace, reveal to me your glory, O God. And he says, I will. I will allow my goodness to pass over you. What a powerful statement. 
The glory of God is revealed through his grace. And I will make all my goodness pass before you. God is good at what he has created. Remember that? And of all virtues and dignities of the mind, goodness is the greatest. Being the character of the deity, and without it, man is so busy and mischievous and wretched when you don't have God's goodness with you. All you have is the desire to do evil and think that he can't see you. Genesis 1.21 says, And God created the great whales and every living creature that moves and which the waters brought forth abundantly, and after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Genesis 1.25, And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creeps upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Psalm 73, verse number one says, Surely God is good to Israel, even to such as our pure heart. Psalm 27, verse 13 says, I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Zechariah 9, 17 says, For how great is his goodness and how great is his beauty. One of the God's faithful missionaries, his name was Alan Gardiner experienced many physical difficulties and hardships throughout his service for the Savior. And despite of his troubles, he said, while God gives me strength, failure will not daunt me. In 1851, at the age of 57, he died of a disease and starvation while serving on a small little island at the southern tip of South America. And when his body was found, his diary was lying near him. And this is the record that his diary said, the record of hunger and thirst and wounds and loneliness. It was all written there. The last entry in this little book or this little diary showed the struggle of his time because his hand was shaking as he was trying to write it legibly. But he wrote, I am overwhelmed with the sense of the goodness of God. Even in hardship and difficulties, and you're not starving, and you're not laying someplace where no one loves you or cares for you. People have been reaching out to you every single day, but you've turned them away. You know why? Because you've turned him away. Your response to him is your response to us. Respond to him, and he will love you. He will give you the power to be what you should be and to do what you should do. I think it's important for us to understand, he said, all my goodness will pass before you. He says also, I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. Well, in Isaiah 12, 4, the Bible says, And in that day you shall say, Praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare the doings among the people, Make mention that his name is exalted. Ephesians 1, 20 and 21, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavens, far above all principalities and powers and might and dominions and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, 
And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and neither is there salvation in any other, Acts 4.12, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Listen to me this, this morning. I think it's important for us to understand who God is and understand his grace. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. It's interesting because a lot of times we hear the word God and what does it mean? There's always this distinction between uh, the gods of this world and then our God and we know him as Jehovah. Many of us know our King James Bible has the capital word L where it speaks of the Lord, and so we know this is the Lord. I was thinking about how that there are those that are in the Muslim world or in Islam, and they have what they have is a different God. It's not the God of heaven, not the God of the Bible. The word L is the word God. It's mighty, strong, prominent. Mentioned 250 times in the Old Testament. There is the word Elohim, this means God. It's the plural noun, more than two used with a single verb usually. Elohim occurs 2,570 times in the Old Testament. El Shaddai is mentioned, that means God Almighty or God All Sufficient. El Shaddai is mentioned in the Bible, Old Testament, 48 times. Adonai, the Lord in our English Bibles, with a capital L, of course. Adonai in plural, the sing is uh, Master or Lord, 300 times in the Old Testament. The word Jehovah, Lord, in our English Bible, with all capitals, is Yahweh. It is the covenant name of our God, and it is mentioned 6,823 times in the Old Testament. Pretty powerful. Jehovah Jireh is mentioned. That means Lord will provide. Uh, Jehovah Rapha, that is the Lord who heals. Jehovah Nisi, Nisi, that is the Lord our banner. There is also Jehovah Kadesh, that is the Lord who sanctifies or to make holy, to set apart. There is Jehovah Shalom, that's the Lord our peace. There is the shepherd, we know him as the shepherd, mentioned all over in the Old Testament. And there is interesting because we also see the word judge, and that's referring to the God of heaven. There's Jehovah Elohim, where you have Lord God, and it shifts from Elohim to Jehovah Elohim in Genesis chapter 2, verse number 4, and then it goes on and on, Jehovah Elohim. Jehovah Teskinu, which is the Lord our righteousness. There is Jehovah Rohi, which is the Lord our shepherd. There is Jehovah Shirama, that's the Lord is there or he is present, Ezekiel 48, verse number 35. There is Jehovah Seboeth, that is the Lord of hosts, and I could go on and on and on. We're talking about the God of heaven, Jehovah, and he had one son, and his name was Jesus, and he, he sent that son because he loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16. But John, 1 John 3.16 says, Hereby we perceive his love, because he laid down his life for us. 
We perceive God's love because God laid down his life. That makes Jesus and God the same. And let me tell you something this morning. If you do not believe in Jesus Christ, you have hell to look forward to. It's a horrible thing. We get so wrapped up with religion when all God wants is a relationship. And anybody in this room can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Anybody. Stop listening to Satan. Stop listening to some of the religious leaders. All they want is your money. Start listening to God because God wants a relationship with you. He wants to love you. He wants to take care of you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to protect you. That's our God. And if he protected his children in the wilderness, remember when they were back, was against the Red Sea. And they had no place to go that he made a way for them, didn't he? And he'll make a way for you. You don't have to be downhearted today. You can stand tall, put your shoulders back, and know that Jehovah, the God of heaven, will take care of you. He is your God. And he knows you by name. For unto us a child is born. For unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And she shall bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Wow. Thy presence is here. Sometimes we don't really realize it. I look back at my experience in church and sometimes I'd be sitting there wondering if how long this is going to go on and on and on. I wonder sometimes when I was little, I was thinking, is God really there? The older I get, the more I see that he's always been there. He's been so faithful to me. He's been so faithful to you. You know why? Because he is your God. God will take care of you. I don't know the rest of the song, but he'll take care of you. Through every day. Is that how it goes? Along the way. Thy precious name, Lord Jesus Christ, is better far to me than all the wealth that can be found in earth and in air and sea. Thou art the paradise, set forth thy God's own hand of love. Thy presence is itself the heaven where I shall dwell from above. Remember what Spurgeon said, that a little faith will get you to heaven but much faith will bring heaven to your soul. Don't lose faith, dear friend. I know things are rough. But he goes on to say, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will always dispense my favors according to my own pleasure, as I now grant this favor to thee. And I will show my mercy to whom I must. I will show mercy. I just happen to write streams of mercy never ceasing, thinking about come thou fount. Turn thee unto me, and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, and have mercy also upon me, and answer me. 
Hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me, Lord. Please be thou my helper. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. Mine eye is consumed with grief, my soul and my belly. I said, Lord, be merciful unto me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. But thou, O Lord, be merciful unto me, and raise me up, that I might requite them or repay them. I think of blind Bartimaeus crying out, O son of David, have mercy upon me. And I think about Moses and how he was crying out to the God of heaven, show me thy glory. And he says, you'll see my goodness. You'll see the glory of my name. And by the way, I will show mercy unto whom I will show mercy to. It is our God in heaven. To have a bigger view of who he is is to have a better view of who you are. And he desires for us to know him. Oh, that we may come unto him. Jesus himself said, come unto me and learn of me. And even Paul said, you have not so learned Christ. So we can learn of him. We can actually have his grace and grow in his grace and then be strengthened in his grace if we come to him by faith and request him to come. He'll come. Maybe you've never received him. Oh, you've had a head knowledge of Jesus, but you've never opened your heart. And you haven't opened your heart to others either. Open your heart to Jesus. Say, Lord, I open my heart to you. Forgive me of my sins. And come into my life and save me, and he will. I promise you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I know it's late. Maybe this morning you're sitting there, you say, Pastor, how will I? I needed that this morning. I, I'm, I'm born again. I, I've been saved. But I'm not where I need to be. God's been working with me recently, and I need to get closer to him. And maybe you would just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, would you please pray for me? I'm in need of that help. Thank you so much for being honest. Just raise your hand if that's you. Thank you so much, others, so many. Yes, yes. I will pray for you. Maybe this morning you're here and you've never received Jesus as your Savior. You've been good, but you've never received him. No one is looking around this morning, and maybe you just need to lift your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I know what I need to do. Would you pray that I would take that step? and receive Jesus. Just lift up your hand and put it back down again. Help me to make that decision. Thank you. Anyone else? Make that decision today. Dear friend, maybe you've never been baptized by immersion. That's the next step after salvation, to be baptized. And then there's the church membership, and then there's the working for the Lord. You'll not be happy Until you come to Christ, he will fulfill you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you stand to your feet? No one looking around this morning. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in the invitation and people would come. Use the altar for what it was meant for, for people to come and kneel before you. And I pray that you would work in their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.
there's plenty of time. Say, yes, Lord, yes. He's been calling. Come, learn of me. isn't burning at home at six minutes to noon. I'm supposed to be done at 11.30, but I'm not going to apologize. I believe I needed to keep going. I think the problem is we need to get started on time. Amen? I think we do. So let's make sure we're back tonight at six o'clock. I got a five o'clock meeting with the men. Um, I had Brother Craig, why don't you make your way up here? Brother Craig travels all week long. And uh, probably these days, Brother Craig, you've been thinking about retirement more Getting close to getting some warmer weather, maybe, I don't know. But we sure love you and appreciate your family and appreciate your work here at Grace. And uh, every Friday night he's here and helps out with the RU. And we're such, such, a, such a blessing to have faithful people. We're so thankful. Why don't you go ahead and close our service with a word of prayer. We'll be back tonight at 6 o'clock. We'll do the Lord's Supper, but we're also going to have a special speaker. One of ours. What's that? If You, you want to come back tonight? Sure, you can come back tonight, Jeff. Okay, we'll see you tonight. Just go ahead and pray if you would. Right? Lord, we, th- we thank you for this time. We thank you for this service and for the people gathered here, Lord. And Lord, we, we really thank you and praise you for a place that preaches the gospel, Lord, unvarnished and true and unbending to the culture. And just uh, bless this church, Lord. Help it to grow. Help us to reach more and more lost souls. Help us bring them in here and disciple them, Lord, and just uh, bless us now as we go forth. We pray in your holy name. Amen.